0: On this episode of AV Week, using the World Cup to launch product, Sony goes after Dolby Atmos and software-centric product development. All that and more, next on AV Week.
1: The network for the AV industry.
2: What are you listening to?
1: This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation.
0: This is AV Week, episode 357, recorded Wednesday, June twenty-seven, two 2018. The world is watching. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by...
2: Sure, because every voice matters.
0: And by Christy Digital.
1: And by Harmon International.
0: This is AV Week, your weekly wrap up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to talk about the news and information this week. Uh, we're doing this a little bit special, a little bit different. Uh, so I owe uh, Miss Corey Schaefer something because uh, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, my time, because I'm an idiot and I don't understand math. It is 6 a.m. <laughs> on the West Coast. So thank you very much, Miss Corey Schaefer from QSC.
2: It's a pleasure to be here so bright and early.
0: I know. So I'll explain that in a few minutes. Uh, on the other side of the world, and this is why we're doing this early, uh, first and foremost, Mr. Neville Bounds from Feltech. How are you, sir?
1: Yeah, I'm very well, and I'm not complaining because it's just called 2 o'clock in the afternoon here, so it's perfect, <laughs> me. All
0: right, since we're doing time checks, the last gentleman here uh, is Garish. Uh, Garish is from Grand Tech. Uh, so where are you, Garish, and, and what time is it there, I guess?
3: Uh, yeah, so, you know, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, it's 5 p.m. in the evening. Um and it's probably about forty five degrees outside. So I'm I'm glad to be in the office.
0: And you're in you're in Dubai right now, you're not in because Grish has a couple different companies. So you're in Dubai, right?
3: Correct. Yes, I am in Dubai.
0: All right, very good. And this this may be will be the, the biggest time adjustment we've had uh in the seven years we've done this. So um so let's do this real quick, let's get the stories up and running and First and foremost, not for nothing, but if you are a, a citizen of the of the uh, of the globe, uh, honestly, right now the World Cup is one of the biggest sports stories. At least um, in the U.S., we don't have a team, so we all kind of you know choose our own. Um, my second team <laughs> didn't make it either, so I'm, I'm actually you know rooting for for the the, the English team, Neville. Um, so, but, but it is the biggest it, every four years, the world cup happens. It's, it's, huge. It's ginormous. Folks, you know, come from all over the world to go to it. Uh, the story we're using though is from AV, uh, AV magazine and a, a Shenzhen based, um, company is actually using the world cup as a product launch, quote unquote, um, a Shenzhen uh, based LED display technology company has held a product launch and customer training session in Moscow time to take place just before the opening ceremony of the World Cup. Corey, i will to start with you on this. You you travel the world for QSC. You go to ISC typically every year. Events like that that are not necessarily AV-centric or even technology-centric, does it make sense to to go to where the people are, right? Uh, go where there's a massive of audience and, and a, a, the world is watching, the media is watching. Does it make sense yeah. to be there and, 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 you know, you know, launch your product and, and do some customer stuff?
2: Well, when I read this, I just actually thought it was brilliant because obviously it's the most watched event in the world. Uh, Russia is an emerging market, uh, as mentioned in the story. And uh, and it opened with the fact that um, they even sold the sample screen that they were, you know, leveraging this launch on. So to, to be able to create demand and to show it in, a, um, in an event that, you know, most of the world is watching, it, I, I actually think it's brilliant because it, it creates that pull through. I mean, you know, many times us manufacturers, we go to um, Grish and our uh, Neville, our integrators, and we ask, you know, we show you and then we want you to bring it to the customer. But to be able to have a customer see it and watch it and do that pull through, I actually think is really brilliant. And again, in an emerging market, so not the typical markets we would do a launch in.
0: Yeah. Neville, Corey makes a really good point that, you know, Russia is still an, an emerging market. Is this something where you could, you know, from an integrator standpoint, partner with or, or support a manufacturer who maybe comes to your town or is helping you trying to, you know, get into an emerging market or, or a new vertical?
1: Yeah, very much so, Tim. And of course, the problem we've got these, these days and everybody's the same, I guess. We're all so busy when the manufacturers come to us. There's hardly anybody at the office because we're all out doing our jobs. But when there's a big event on in town like this, um, then it's absolutely relevant, um, especially when there's end user involved as well. And especially when there's uh, high end new technology being spoken about. So it's a superb opportunity. And uh, I, I think this is going to set the tone for, for more of this kind of thing in the future.
0: All right, Garish, Neville makes a good point, setting the tone for this stuff in the future. What other events around the world? Obviously, the World Cup happens once every four years, so you obviously can't do a World Cup every year. But you know, you have the Olympics, you have the World Cup, you have other high-profile sporting events and other you know um, events that are not necessarily sports-related. So whether it's it's in the Middle East or whether it's in India or, or, or Asia or even in uh, EMEA, what other events do you think that, that would make sense for in, in, both integrators and for manufacturers to, again, go where the people are?
3: Yeah, uh, so, so the world's richest horse race happens uh, in Dubai, right? Uh, that could be an the exciting event. Uh, yeah, the world's richest uh, okay. uh, uh, in terms of the prize money. Uh, that happens in Dubai. So yeah, you know, and and it's you know, of course, it's it's not comparable to the to the football, which is happening the soccer. Uh, And I thought too that it's a very very exciting time to do product launches. And and you know, these technologies are actually used uh, in in many of these facilities uh, to watch these matches over over the satellite or over the internet. Uh, in, in terms of streaming, you know, so I, I, I honestly believe that they, they seize the opportunity to do this.
0: All right, very good. Uh, next story up here comes to us from AV Interactive. Sony launches their Sonic Surf VR uh, immersive spatial audio system. Uh, at Infocom 2018, they introduced a suite, quote unquote, of spatial audio technology combined with new multi channel speakers and specifically developed software designed to simulate placing moving and partitioning sounds in one space. Neville, I'll start with you on this. This sounds an awful lot to me, like Dolby Atmos, which if you're not familiar with Dolby Atmos, it's multi-channel, there's several speakers, it's designed to do spacing and movement and stuff like that. It, two questions here, Neville. Um, first of all, does it sound like Dolby Atmos to you? Do you think this is Sony going after Atmos? And secondly, I, I love Sony. Do not misunderstand? Don't send me emails on this. But is this one of those things where Sony is just kind of putting something out there like they have in the past to see if there's interest? And if there's not, they'll pull it back and go, oh, we never really did that.
1: Yeah, they've got to be careful they don't do a Me Too product, haven't they? Because there has been a bit of, uh, they have had a bit of previous form in this area, especially in uh, video conferencing, I I would say. This does feel like a bit of an atmosphere. Uh, alternative shall we say but actually there's plenty of market for this stuff and certainly in visitor centres, exhibition areas, tourist zones this kind of stuff i think is a great opportunity so i did actually go and see this and it was impressive and uh, there's always uh, more um, possibility uh, worldwide to to sell this kind of solution looks like i didn't get a, pr- a priced point on it but it looks as though as long as you're dealing with the content properly and you've got a good way of making it work i think it could be a good solution but uh, yeah but they could be testing the market uh, so it'd be interesting to see whether this is a long-term uh, investment forward and see how it goes yeah, Neville, I, where
2: did you see the product? Was it at Infocom or?
0: Yes. I, yeah,
2: okay. Yeah. I wish I had seen it. I didn't see it there.
0: Yeah, it was it was impressive. Um, it, it, I think Neville, the reason you didn't see a, a a price, because that's one of the other things that Sony is, is historic about doing, is in at least in the first couple phases of, of, of kind of testing the market, they don't they don't give a price. Um it'd figure out, you know, they, they can I guess they figure that out later. So Garish Neville uh, Neville, uh, mentioned that there's several markets for this, um, whether that's VR or that's, you know, an actual home theater or possibly into uh, movie, you know, cinema uh, displays and cinema installations. What other markets does it make sense for this uh, to be to be looked at and considered, at least from a a design standpoint? Obviously, it's not ready yet. So, you know, maybe you look at something that's a year or two down the road. Yeah, uh,
3: so I I had the opportunity to see it as well, and it was quite impressive. Uh, And and I believe that uh, from an integrator's point of view, that there's a lot of opportunity that will exist in the experience centers uh, and and in the museum arenas, you know, and especially um, in the space kind of museums where they build, uh, you know, experience centers to bring in uh, visitors so that they can really get. Not only a visual tree, but a real audio tree, as well. If that is properly integrated, and as I said, is it ready yet? But these are the opportunities that can be built uh, over a period of time.
0: All right, Corey. Um, again, Corey works for QSC. When you when you guys start looking at products like this, because there, there's there's not for nothing, but QSC eventually will have to process this this information. Is it something where? Um, again, know, not trying to, to bash Sony, but again, they, they have a history of, of kind of pushing things out there and seeing if there's availability. Do you guys wait until it's really available on the market to start having conversations with them? Or is it something where, oh, hey, that looks cool. Maybe we should start the conversation before they even put a price on it and start making it available.
2: No, I think we, b- because our development team, you know, just isn't sitting around, you know, uh, with nothing to do uh, with We typically wait till uh, number one, not, We want to see the market adoption, and most importantly, we want to hear from our customers and hear what their uh, questions and needs are. And honestly, our development team is incredibly agile about bringing features and functionality to product. I can tell you that I met with a client in April, and they had some issues about Qsys and some things that they wanted to have in that. And it's actually being adopted in a release at the end of June. So, I mean, that's how agile QSC can be and has been. You know, on this, I I actually feel like um, for the applications they're talking about, the experience centers, the museums, and so on, you know, this would be an amazing um, technology to bring to the visitor. Um, My history prior to joining QSC, um, I worked for a company where we offered individual headsets and things like that that brought interpretation and tour guide, et cetera. And as a visitor to a museum, you just don't want to use something like that because of the sanitary issues. And if you are a museum and you're handing those out, you're concerned about getting those back and and managing your inventory. So I feel like, um, you know, if this were to come to market, um, they definitely would have customers for it.
0: Real quickly, uh, Corey, I want to bring back something you said about your your, your development team—the how agile yeah. they are. Yeah. Is, is that honestly um, t- based on the fact that Q- QSC and Qusis is moving more towards a software-based platform? You guys are able to say, "Oh, you know what? It not 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 being uh, uh, silly here, but it's it's just software, so we can you know kind of adjust things and, and then you know softly push it out." Is that because it's based on software as opposed to you know, hardware centric um, platforms?
2: 100 percent. yes. And so we've got you know this, this group that is always focused you know they're just looking at features and functionality via software. and so and often when customers are asking for things, you typically you know we don't just jump because one customer asked for it but you know you, you get enough customers looking at it and, and then you throw it over to this team and they're like, I mean I, I'm shocked at how often they're saying, Yes, it's possible. Yes, it's doable, et cetera. And our challenge now is uh, throwing th- or putting things in the software and having releases that are, um, um, that are quarterly versus you know, monthly or weekly, et cetera, you know, you know, and having these, these well-timed releases so that we can promote the changes in the software. But yeah, because it's a software platform, it allows us to be so much more agile.
0: All right, very good. Uh, last story here actually comes to us from our friends over at AV Network. Uh happens to do with with, with QSC. Uh, full disclosure, I, I use a touch mix. I don't use the Touch Mix 30, which is what the story is about, but we use a Touch Mix 16. Uh, we were on the road if you were if you happened to come by the AV Nation studio at Infocom, you would have seen our, our Touch Mix uh, 16 there. Um, awesome. But you guys have come out with a new thing for the Touch Mix 30, uh the Touch Mix 30 Pro. It's, it's auto, uh, automatic uh, microphone mixing, uh, quote-unquote, the TouchMix Pro automatic uh, microphone mixing fixture is a component of the latest firmware upgrade for, again, for the TouchMix Pro, but it offers uh, mix, auto-mix functionality, delivering advanced gain-sharing capabilities to audio uh, professionals. Corey, simple question here. Why is that important? Why, why is auto-mixing of microphones important?
2: Boy, you know, the vertical that we're after with the TouchMix Pro is, um, you know, the many things listed there, which, you know, one would be corporate events, panel discussion, things like that, and be able to have the microphones adjust for free-flowing discussion in something like that is is a really great feature. And I'm, I am going to gravitate a bit to software. The fact that users have purchased this product and then have this feature delivered to them via software, that really is the mode and direction of QSC, meaning... And we try to do as much as we can in software and have that be something downloadable so that if a customer invests in this solution, it serves them well over time as we develop new features and functionality. So, I mean, ideally, that's what we feel. the cu- We want the customer to be served well over time, not just develop a new box, a new you know, um, connector on the back, and they have to purchase a whole new product
0: yeah real quickly about that both from the the, the touch mix side and we also use uh audio uh matrix mix as well in both of those products um we've we've ha- we've seen functionality increase over the last two years based on your know, software development and firmware pushes out um Neville from a, an integrator standpoint uh feature, you know getting something like this and being able to sell it or, or i i either use it uh in your own productions how important is it that you know they're able to like Corey said. From a software standpoint, continually update and make improvements to that product.
1: Yeah, I think it's essential, actually, Tim. And th- we're seeing this a lot, aren't we, across the board with people just uh, downloading license keys or or firmware updates. It has to be the way that the platform works because as the manufacturers come out with more and more functionality, and they're not just coming out with new functionality every you know, three or four years where you might want to buy a new piece of hardware. They're, they're coming out with it, as Corey said, quarterly or, or even more than that, possibly. So actually, the, the firmware updatability for this kind of thing is really important, and it can bring a whole load of extra functionality uh, to a platform which has still got, you know, three, four, five years of life left in it.
0: Let me ask you this, Neville, and I, I'm going to ask you the same question. It, it, when it comes to selling products, though, how, how do you sell a product then that, that you that may or may not have functionality or maybe you, you've heard from the, the manufacturer in the background, you can tell your customer, look, you know what, it doesn't have this yet, but we're being told or we're being promised in six months or a year. It does. Is, is there any sort of, of, I don't know, hesitation or or... Um, kind of uh, caveats you have to put when you're dealing with your customers. They go, you know what? You, you, you need to buy this now because in X amount of months or years, it's going to have this and you and you're going to love that.
1: Yeah, it's a very difficult one to call. And I think you've got to be really careful with those sort of conversations because uh, with the greatest respect to Corey and all the manufacturers out there, you never quite know when this stuff's going to come off the line. And, uh, you know, um, sometimes it's six months and sometimes it's a year and sometimes it's two years. And sometimes it never And
2: sometimes, happens. I was just going to say, and sometimes it's never.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think, uh, I think some, some careful wording and actually managing everybody's expectations. I think it'd be wrong to, to buy a product on the basis that something might come in six months time but i think in, g- in general terms the manufacturers that we're speaking to and qsc are, are one of them uh, they're always listening uh, for new ideas and new information and also feeding back to us you know what sort of uh, functionality would you like and uh, those sort of conversations are very valuable indeed
0: yeah Grish, that actually would be my next question is is what is the communication system like um you know whether it's it's qsc or it's another manufacturer um, when you're you're going, okay, can, can we get this? you know what is that communication like and then how do you how do you translate that again back to your customers?
3: Yeah, so I, I couldn't agree more with Neville, so you've got to be really, really careful in communicating what the expectations are and, and then be able to set the expectations right uh, you know with the, with the customers. and especially when you when you commit something, you know it, it's almost like a kid in a candy store the customer wants wants everything right. So it's it's really uh, very very important to set that expectation, and and then be able to you know drive that from there. So it's uh, to me yes. Uh, so what we tend to do is ideally we we tend to wait for a couple of good case studies so that we basically de-risk that. Um, of course there are always early adopters, but in an emerging market like ours, uh, we always tend to wait for a couple of good case studies so that we can start start proposing this from an integrator's
0: point of view. All right, very interesting. Um, I am actually one, one last question here, guys, as we as we wrap up here. All three of you were, were at Infocom this year. Uh, Garish was at Infocom, Neville was In Infocom, and obviously Corey was with QSC. Uh, but but Garish and, and Neville, I wanna get your take because both of you also attend ISC, actually so does Corey and so do I. But Garish, I'll start with you on this. Can you kind of give folks who have been maybe only to Infocom or maybe only to ISC I'm not asking you to say one is better than the other, but just a comparison contrast between the two and benefits of, of you coming from, from you know, um, not only in India, but also from Dubai for coming to, to the show here in the States.
3: Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we've got to be staying up date with, with every, every kind of information which is available. You know, but for the 23 hours of flying to get into the United States, rest everything is, is really, really good. Um, yeah, so uh, uh, for for us, both these shows are are, are important, uh, and we tend to represent these. Um, uh, but you know what I feel is the the Infocom uh, in the U.S. is is more U.S. centric, uh, w- which is which is a good thing, not a bad thing, because a lot of new uh, you know technology. So I was I was asked a question some time ago. Uh, uh, you know, in an emerging market, do we follow a a matured market? And the answer is yes. You know, so some of the new installations uh, that happens in the United States or in Europe or in the UK, uh, which has gone through this, you know, uh, and then we bring it back into our markets. Uh, So it's, yeah. So for us, it's extremely important to be present and be aware. Uh, You know, I'm not definitely going to put one against each other. Both of us, both of these shows are important.
2: Bridge, do you see things at Infocom that you, would, you don't see at ISE?
3: Uh, not really, you know. Uh, so I do see them uh, at both locations. But uh, in fact, I see more things in ISE uh, than at the Infocom. Oh, got it.
0: Um, Neville, same kind of question to you is, 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 you know, what was your experience as someone coming from the UK, uh, coming to Vegas this year?
1: Yeah, it's always great on the West Coast, apart from the fact it's a little bit too hot. Uh, but from the show point of view, I think it was one of the best infocoms ever from my point of view the aisles are so much wider the there's obviously not so many uh, halls so you can actually bump into people quite regularly and that's something which is isc has become a problem in a sense that obviously it's a 45 minute flight for me to go to amsterdam so it's perfect but actually a lot of people have said to me nev were you actually there and i went yeah i was there the whole week and you would never bump into people that's not the same for infocom at all and i also think being on the west coast every two years. Uh, that's a big advantage for the Asia Pacific region certainly people from Australia and New Zealand so you get a lot more people coming from there they're they're very different shows actually and the vibe is certainly different uh, both shows it'd be difficult to say that one was better than the other but I must say my, uh, my Infocom experience this year was particularly good I thought
0: all right. Very good. Miss um, Schaefer, if you want to weigh in on, on, on either one, because you, as you and I are, are the Americans here, going over to ISE, you know, your experience as a manufacturer and exhibitor going to both.
2: You know, I would say my experience is at ISE, although it's a larger show, as a manufacturer, I feel that I get more time with each visitor that comes. So, you know, you're sitting down, you're having coffee, you're actually having really great dialogue. I mean, so much more time. I feel that at the Infocom show, um, it's you know, um, people are just in a big rush to get to the next, the next, the next. And I actually would love to see Infocom add another day because I, I just felt, I know I I, people are going to hate me, but I just feel that, uh, there's, it's just getting, there's so much, I mean, with tide center stage, uh, the, you know, there's just so much to see. And quite frankly, this year I just didn't get to see it.
0: No, and it, it, you were not the first nor the last person to say that infocom should go to four days. So, um, yeah, every year, um, and I, I will, I will get uh, the conversation with with the folks there at at, at Avexa, and, and yeah, that's one of the most most common questions they say that they've gotten is is the two questions is you know when are you going to settle on one on one city? They're not, Um <laughs> to four days and that's that's a continual conversation and honestly it, they what according to them according to Evixa, that's a conversation they have number one with their manufacturers the exhibitors and then number two with like, obviously the, the stakeholders in, in the industry so yeah
2: they send out a survey at the end of the at the end of the conference asking and I definitely I did put that on there at another day
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> uh, that's gonna do it for us folks thanks so much uh, miss Corey Schaefer from QSC thank you again for for getting up early and hanging out with us uh, anytime. How do people find you and or QSC?
2: So qsc.com, Corey Schaefer, you can find me uh, on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, et cetera. And then also at QSC, we have a big YouTube channel. So again, just look at QSC on on YouTube, a lot of really great videos there. And um, find QSC on all the social media, Facebook. We have many Facebook groups, one on QSIS, one on TouchMix, et cetera get a lot of great customer feedback there. So look for QSC all over social and look for Corey Schaefer all over
0: social. All right. Very good. Uh, Mr. Neville. Thank you, sir.
1: Uh, you're very welcome yep yeah. uh you can find me at feltech f-e-l-t-e-c-h.co.uk we're a systems integrator for broadcast and audio visual systems just north of london uh on twitter i'm at nevtech 27 and in my spare time if i had some still uh i do an aviation podcast every friday with two of my colleagues and that's uh, at plaintalkinguk.com.
0: Yeah, if, you, if you're watching the video, that's why Neville's uh, studio looks better than mine. He has nice <laughs> soundproofing <laughs> behind him. So, uh, Garish, thank you, sir. I, I appreciate it. How do people find you uh, uh, or, or Grant Tech?
3: Well, thank you for having me here. Uh, you can find me at granttech.com, which is G R A N T E Q.com. Uh, and my Twitter is at the rate Garish Narayanan. Uh and it's very exciting to be here and that you know since since it's very coincidential, we are actually at the commissioning stage of a very large auditorium using all QSE uh here in the <laughs> United Arab Emirates, right? Uh awesome. so yeah, let me know
2: so, how it goes.
3: Yes, yes, you know, I have actually seen some some stuff uh, of it that's very exciting. Uh it's it's for a very large university uh right here. So yeah, so it's, 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 it's a really exciting time
0: for us. All right, great. Well, thank you all so much again. Five o'clock uh, in the afternoon uh, for Grish and 6 a.m. for Corey, and it's been uh, fascinating for me. So uh, thank you all so much. Uh, don't follow me uh, on the Twitters or social media, uh, but go by the website if you would, please. avnation.tv avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. Uh, while you're there, please check out our underwriter section. These are the folks who help us financially, who support us and, and help us do AV Week and go to Infocom. And in about two or three months time, we'll hit, uh, we'll hit Cedia uh, from San Diego. So all that and more at avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>